Hello and welcome to the NLCC Sermon Podcast. In a moment, we'll listen in on a message from our Sunday morning worship service. But first, if this is your first time tuning into NLCC, we would love for an opportunity to get to know you and walk with you in your faith journey. If you're interested in connecting with this church, head to our website, northliberty.cc, and hit the I'm New button or use the links in the description. Our goal is to help you experience the transformational power of God in your life. And we hope and pray that you find that in this message. Good morning, North Liberty. My name is Al Serhall, and I uh, am the executive director of Hippo Valley Christian Mission. And uh, Hippo Valley Christian Mission is one of the great great missions in the history of our churches, the Christian churches and churches of Christ. The mission began in 1956. It was founded by John Pemberton, uh, who was from Gary, Indiana. Any of you ever hear of Gary, Indiana? <laughs> not, not too far from here. Uh, John uh, was a part of the church up there and uh, I think he went to church camp at Camp LRCA, and, uh, but he found himself uh, a soldier in World War II, and he was captured at the Battle of the Bulge. And in that prison camp, believing he would die, John Pemberton made a promise to God. He said, God, if you get me home, I will serve you the rest of my life. And uh, I think a lot of men made those promises in that situation. I don't know that they all kept them, but John did. Six months later, the war was over, and he came home, and he kept his word. He married his high school sweetheart, Marge, and they moved from Gary, Indiana, to Grayson, Kentucky, to go to Bible college at Kentucky Christian College to prepare for the ministry. He didn't know what he was going to do. He didn't know where he was going to go. He just knew he... He had made that promise to God. And while he was there as a student at Kentucky Christian College, he met another World War II veteran, another young man who'd made a similar promise. He was not a POW, but he had said, God, get me home and I'll serve you the rest of my life. His name was Denny Pruitt. And he uh, married his high school sweetheart, Lucy, and they, they were students at Kentucky Christian College training for the ministry. So these two, these two guys, these two young Young uh, war veterans became lifetime friends. And through a series of divine events, God opened the door for them to move with their families from eastern Kentucky to uh, Zimbabwe, Africa. Back then it was called Rhodesia to begin a a pioneer mission work. Uh, They went to a place called Mashoko. There was no no schools. There was no medical. There was... uh, no church, and they began uh, this great mission in 1956. The philosophy of the mission then is the same as it is today, to reach the whole person for Christ, the body, the mind, and the soul. The body through health care. Dennis Pruitt, after graduating from KCC, went to medical school and became a, a brilliant missionary doctor. And he opened a health clinic there at Mashoko for the people. The Pembertons built a school to teach the children reading and writing and about Jesus. And there in the school, they started the church. And today, 
67 years later, uh, that little medical clinic is a hospital, Mashoko Hospital. We have two additional health clinics. We have an orphan ministry. That little school that they started at Mashoko is, is one of our biggest schools. It's a big uh, primary school and boarding school. We have 28 mission schools. We have more than 20,000 children currently enrolled in our mission schools. And over the past 67 years, more than half a million kids have gone through these mission schools. So when I say this is one of the great missionary, uh, mission efforts in the history of our churches, uh, that's, that's what I'm talking about. We have a, a Bible college that John Pemberton started. It started off as uh, the Mishoko Bible College, then it became Mishingo Bible College, then it became Central Africa Bible College, and then when Zimbabwe, Rhodesia became Zimbabwe, they moved the college to the capital city of Harare, and they renamed it Zimbabwe Christian College. Today, uh, the name has changed again, and today it's called Central Africa Christian College. And uh, uh, it is now a four-year degree program. We are training preachers and school teachers. They all get a degree in Bible, and, 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 and uh, they're trained in sound biblical doctrine. We say uh, we are training the hundreds who will reach the thousands. And that's our focus. There, three exciting things happened this past year. When, I, when, I, when I'm out here and I talk to uh, folks that recognize the mission or maybe recognize me, I think I was, I was here last summer, they say, how's the mission going? And, and I say this, it's, it's, been, it's been a crazy year. Uh, crazy good, but, but, but crazy. Uh, three big things happened this year with our mission. Uh, the first is we, had, we made a, a concerted effort for evangelism. First and foremost, our priority is evangelism. And so we set a goal this last year uh, in, in Shona, in the Zimbabwe language, Shona, it's called Roho Gosho, which means the harvest of a thousand souls. And so we set a goal to harvest a thousand souls. So we went into our churches, in our mission schools and conducted revivals. We bought a big tent, we got a sound system and uh, provided food. Uh, AIDS, International Disaster Emergency Services, gave us half a million of these, these uh, AIDS meals and we just made a, a, a deliberate effort to get out and, and evangelize. And we, uh, with the goal of a thousand souls, at the end of the year, we had baptized 944 people. So we didn't quite get there. So our, our evangelists, our preachers, our mission team over there said, we're going to try again in 2023. So they're going to go after 1,000 this year, and, and I believe they'll make it. It's, it. You know, here's a mission that's 67 years old, and, and we're st they're still very excited about evangelism. That was the one big thing. The second big thing is the, uh, the opening of the Living Proof High School. Now, I know some of you are living proof. How many of you are living proof child sponsors? Raise your hand if you're a living proof child sponsor. Uh, I just had eye surgery, so I can't even see. But I, <laughs> I sound like a Baptist preacher. I see those hands. I see those hands out there. I did see a few hands. Thank you for being living proof child sponsors. If you, if you read our newsletters, you know we've been planning to build this new school for years now. We have 150 acres right on a main highway, right in the middle of the country in a region called Gutu. And uh, we, we, did, we took on a big, big, big 
Uh, only God can provide vision uh, to plan this Living Proof High School, a premier boarding school where uh, some of these poor kids, the kids in the Living Proof program are, are some of the poorest kids in the world. And they're out, they live out in the bush. They live out in these rural places. Uh, no, water, no running water, no electricity, you know, nothing like that. But these kids have come through our Living Proof program. Our Living Proof program is 10 years old now. So we've got 500 kids in high school that we've been investing in now for the past 10 years. And uh, this Living Proof High School is an opportunity for these kids to go not only to high school, which is a dream for them, but to be able to go to a premier boarding school. Uh, and, and so uh, our dream was to open this school in January, and, uh, and we did. 137 students at Living Proof High School. It, was, it wasn't easy. In fact, that last month or two, we had a crew out there working literally day and night. And they had to work even through, they got Christmas Day off, but they had to work through Christmas so that we could open on January 10th. But I'm, I'm very pleased to announce that we opened the exciting Living Proof High School on uh, January 10th of this year. And that's a big, big deal. The third big thing uh, is the establishing of Central Africa Christian College. Uh, as I said, the college has been around for over 50 years. But uh, this year, we took Zimbabwe Christian College, which was a diploma school, and we've transformed it. We've, 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 we have a new fresh vision for uh, a four-year degree, uh, training the hundreds who are reaching the thousands, not only training preachers, but also training school teachers. We need, uh, we need teachers in our schools that are grounded in doctrine. You know, I read something a few, uh, few months ago that people that study these things, the Barna Group and all of these people who study uh, church trends, they say that by the year 2060, more than 40% of Christians living on planet Earth will be living in sub-Saharan Africa. Now, that, that's, that's incredible if you think about it. You know, Christianity began 2,000 years ago, and the, uh, the center of Christianity has always moved historically. The church began in Jerusalem, right, on the day of Pentecost. 3,000 people were baptized that day. But uh, 70 years later, uh, 70 years later, well, actually 40 years later, the epicenter of Christianity was no longer in Jerusalem. Jerusalem was destroyed. Uh, Antioch became the center of Christianity. And then the center of Christianity moved uh, to all places, northern Africa. Uh, believe it or not, the center of Christianity at one time was northern Africa. Places like Ethiopia and, uh, and, 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 and that region. Was, was the center of Christianity. Today, you can hardly find Christians in Northern Africa because it's completely under Islamic rule. Then the epicenter of Christianity moved to Europe. You know, England, just a, 150 years ago, the great churches, the great preachers were all from England. Charles Spurgeon and, and all that. Today, you can't even find a Christian in England, uh, hardly. The center of Christianity moved to the United States, 
the United States and, and, and most of our lifetime, those of us who've been around, the center of Christianity has been the United States of America. In fact, as recently as five years ago, more than 90% of all funding for world evangelism came from this country. The United States makes up 5% of the earth's population, but over 90% of the funding for world evangelism comes from this country. Not the government, but from places like this, people like you. And we look at our, our country sometimes, and, and, and that's a positive thing. That's a positive thing. The United States is the most generous nation that's ever existed, and Christians in the United States are the most generous people that have ever existed. And I believe that's why God blesses us. I believe that's why God keeps blessing us as a nation, is there is a remnant of faithful people who are still making God's agenda their agenda. God's agenda, by the way, is the world. For God so loved what? What? God loves the world. You know, when Jesus walked among us, when Jesus was here 2,000 years ago, they estimate that 250 million people lived on the entire planet Earth. By the year 1500, so 1500 years later, the Earth's population doubled. 500 million people. It took 1,500 years to get from 250 million people to 500 million people. When, when I was born in 1959, the 4 billion people lived on planet Earth. So it went from 250 million to 500 million in 1,500 years. And then another 500 or so years later, that number went to 4 billion. Today it's nearly 8 billion. And looking at some of the people in this room, should the Lord tarry when you're, when you're an old man or an old woman, there'll probably be 16 billion people living on planet Earth. Now, now think about that. that that's, that's staggering to think about. But by the year 2060, uh, nearly half of the Christians living in the world are going to be living in sub-Saharan Africa. I think it's foolish to think that we will always be the epicenter of Christianity. It's always moved. Jerusalem, Antioch, Northern Africa, Rome, Europe, London, England, the United States. It's going to move again. And I believe the epicenter of Christianity will be sub-Saharan Africa. So there we are in sub-Saharan Africa. Zimbabwe is one of the most evangelized nations in all of Africa one of the two or three most Christian nations in Africa. And when it comes to the Christian churches and churches of Christ, Zimbabwe's number one. And that's due in, in large part to John Pemberton and Dennis Pruitt. The church is strong there. We are the only Bible college in all of sub-Saharan Africa that is a four-year accredited degree institution training teachers and training preachers with over 40 hours of Bible and doctrine in their curriculum. So here's what I want to say. Central Africa Christian College is going to be a big reason for this evangelism explosion in sub-Saharan Africa. So our new vision is we've got to stop looking at Zimbabwe as a mission field and start looking at Zimbabwe as a sending nation. 
We've got to stop looking at Zimbabwe as a, 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 a poor, uh, a poor uh, weak nation that says, please help us, please help us, please help us. Zimbabwe is very Christian. Zimbabwe is probably more Christian than the United States at this point. We're, we're, we are in decline in, in terms of Christianity. We are a post-Christian America and very quickly becoming an anti-Christian America if you follow the news. But there's still a faithful remnant here. Places like this, a faithful remnant of people. But Zimbabwe needs to start looking at themselves as the sending nation. So our vision for Central Africa Christian College is training the hundreds who are going to reach the thousands. So we are deliberately, intentionally recruiting students, not only from Zimbabwe, but from Mozambique, a neighboring nation, from Malawi, from Uganda. We have four students coming in August from Uganda. We have two students coming from Kenya. We have two students coming from the Democratic Republic of Congo. We have students coming from South Sudan. This is a very exciting thing, a very exciting thing. We are going to be not only a part of this evangelistic explosion that's going to take place in sub-Saharan Africa, but we're going, to be, we're going to be part of the reason for it. Now, if you look at the continent of Africa, it's a huge continent. Uh, you could put like five or six United States in the continent of Africa. But the northern part of Africa, which was once the center of Christianity, is now Islam, and Islam is moving south. And we, we view, we're viewing ourselves as a firewall to stop the spread of Islam and to spread Christianity. The only hope, the only hope for the world. So it's exciting to be a part of that. And my challenge to you, North Liberty, is you've been supporting Hippo Valley for a number of years. Uh, through our orphan ministry. My challenge to you and those of you who are involved in the missions program, and I know this is a mission-minded church. Your preacher, he's, he's half asleep today because he just came back from the mission field, right? <laughs> uh, my challenge to you is to, to up your game even more. You know, I, I said this last year when I was here. I, I believe it. The key to God's blessing of a church is our willingness to make his agenda our agenda. Let me say that again. The key to God blessing a congregation is our willingness to make his agenda our agenda. And God's agenda is evangelizing the world. And, we make, and when we make that our agenda, our goal, our, our purpose, God blesses that congregation. So my challenge to you is to up your game. I, I want to challenge you to, to get on board and help support Central Africa Christian College. It's under Hippo Valley Christian Mission. It's under our umbrella. Uh, uh, we're a big mission, but we need churches that will step up and say we'll be regular supporters of Central Africa Christian College. That, that's my challenge to you. That's uh, my commercial. Uh, I have a table out there. I've got some brochures about Central Africa Christian College. I've also got brochures out there about the Living Proof program. Uh, if any of you uh, who are not Living Proof sponsors or want to become a Living Proof sponsor, this is an opportunity for you as a family, as an individual, to make a, 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 a big difference in the, a life of, of one young person or two young people, however many you want to sponsor. It's $30 a month, folks, to sponsor one of these kids. 
and uh, uh, it, it makes all the difference in the world. They get, uh, they get a Bible, they get one of these t-shirts, they get a new school uniform every year from their, their sponsor, they meet twice a week in these Living Proof clubs, they're learning the Bible, they're memorizing scripture, uh, now they get a protein drink at every club meeting to help, uh, help get them the vitamins and nutrients that they need. Uh, uh, it's a great, great program, and, uh, uh, and when they get into high school, we have funds for them to go to high school through your sponsorship. It's $30. It used to be 20 After 10 years, we had to change it just because uh, inflation's catching up with everybody. But uh, 20 of that $30 runs the Living Proof program, and $10 goes into the Living Proof Scholarship Fund so that when the child reaches high school age, we can put them in high school. It's $30 a month. And uh, I've got brochures out there. If you want to sign up today, uh, you can do that. So exciting things are happening. It's, uh, it's been a crazy year. I didn't have any gray hair last year, and, and this year I do. But, um, uh, folks, I, I believe that, that uh, a church that has a great commitment to the Great Commission is, is a great church. And when God's agenda is our agenda, he's going to bless that church. He's going to bless us individually. And I even believe he's, he blesses our nation because we still have a faithful remnant here that's investing in God's agenda around the world. You know, when, uh, when John Pemberton made that prayer, prayed that prayer at that prison camp, he never, he never looked at his life the same again. I, I had the privilege of knowing John. He died in 2003. I I was on the board of Hippo Valley Christian Mission uh, in the late 90s and up until the time, uh, everybody just called him the old man <laughs> uh, until the old man died in 2003. And he, he was a great, great, great man of God, uh, man of great faith. But he, he, he said, you know, once you've, you've really stared death in the face, you, you never look at life the same again. And so he viewed every moment he had, every year that he had after that as a gift from God, a promise to be kept. And uh, he never looked at life the same again after making that promise to God. One day Jesus walked up to Peter and Andrew and James and John, four young men uh, along the shores of the Sea of Galilee. And he called them over to him. Now these, these young men were fishermen, right? They were fishermen. They were the sons of fishermen. Probably the grandsons of fishermen. I mean, that's who they were. Uh, you know, in, in, in those days, in that culture, it, it's like um, that Bruce Springsteen song. I come from down in the valley where Mr. When you're young, they bring you up to do like your daddy done. <laughs> you know, that's just how it was. If your dad was a fisherman, you're going to be a fisherman. That's who they were. Uh, that's what they that's what that, that was their plan and you know when we think of Peter and Andrew James and John these these first disciples that Jesus called we've got a picture in our mind probably from movies right probably from the the chosen you know that's how we picture them um, but you know it, it's it, it's you know beards full beards and maybe 35 40 years old something like that but you know it's very possible some theologians believe that when a rabbi would call a disciple, they were young men, like maybe 15, 16 years old. Have you ever thought of Peter and Andrew and James and John being 16 or 17 years old? Just, just kids. 
But Jesus called them. He said, I want you to leave your nets. I want you to leave your father. I want you to leave uh, all your plans behind. I want you to follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. And that encounter with Jesus on the shores of the Sea of Galilee, that one encounter, they never looked at life the same again. They left their nets. They left their fathers. They left it all. And they followed Jesus and became fishers of men. Like most young men, they probably had plans, right? Plans for marriage, plans for this, that, who knows. But that all changed when they met Jesus that day on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. Now, you are probably not called to leave your nets, to leave your, your family, to leave your uh, plans and that type of thing behind. Maybe you are. I think more are called than, than, than respond. But it, it's, it's very possible that God has you right where he wants you. But we're all called, every one of us, regardless of whether you're a man or a woman, whether you're young, very young, or old or very old, we are all called to look at life differently. If you've met Jesus, that should change the way we look at the world. It should change the way we look at our, our lives. We should have a different mindset. Now the Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verse one and two, therefore, Paul said, in view of God's mercy, I urge you to offer yourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Do not conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. You may not be called to leave your nets, you may not be called to, to go to Africa. But every single one of us, young or old, we are called to a renewed mind. We're called to look at life differently. And I'm convinced that is, that is what's missing in the modern church. That's what's missing maybe in the American church is this idea of of a, a, a new mindset, this idea of, of looking at life differently. Because the fact is, we're not that much different than the world. We have the same goals, we have the same aspirations, we have the same goals for our kids. Uh, we want our kid to be the captain of the football team, and you know, we want them to, be, we want them to have everything the world has. We don't look at life differently. We have the same goals, the same aspirations, we act like the world, sometimes we talk like the world, we think like the world, but God calls us to be transformed. If you've met Jesus, if you've encountered Jesus, we're called to be, to be transformed. So, I, I wanna close with this. 
there's, uh, I got four things here real quick that, uh, that need to happen. If we're going to, you know, shift our thinking from uh, uh, just, just existing, just living to a more, more missional type mindset, I'm here for a reason, I'm here for a purpose, God put me here for a purpose. Uh, we need to shift our thinking in, in, in these four ways. Number one, we need to shift our thinking from uh, self-centered to God-centered. From self-centered to God-centered. In other words, instead of what, what do I want, what do I want for my life, what do I want for my kids, what do I want today and tomorrow and the next day? What does God want from me? What does God want me to do? You know, the Apostle Paul was a, a young man who had great aspiration, big plans, you know? He was going to make the Sanhedrin before the age of 40. He had big plans, big aspirations. He was very uh, motivated. Uh, but Paul said this, in Acts chapter 20, verse 24, he said, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. You know what Paul is saying there? He's saying, I, I, took, I had plans, I had dreams, I had aspirations, but I've taken those plans, and I've taken those dreams, and I've taken those aspirations, and I've said, Lord, what is it you want me to do? My only aim, my only goal is to do what the Lord Jesus Christ put me here on this planet to do. That's the mindset. God, you put me here for a reason. What is it that you want me to do? Have you ever thought about that? <laughs> have you ever asked that? Young people, you know, we, we have plans. We have, oh, I want to do this. I want to do that. You know, I, I was that way. I want to be a baseball player when I grow up and uh, all, all these things. Have you ever asked, what, is, what does God want me to do with my life? See, we, we call that lordship, right? We say Jesus is Lord. Jesus is why do you call me Lord, Lord, then you don't do what I say? If Jesus is your Lord, then the real question is, what does he want me to do with my life? With whatever days I have left, what does he want me to do? So we've got to shift our thinking from self-centered. What do I want? My plans, my dreams, my aspirations to God-centered. What, what do you want me to do, Lord? That's a big shift, isn't it? in our thinking. A second uh, major shift in our thinking is uh, moving from self-centered to God-centered and from a, a local orientation to a global orientation. We've got to start looking at the world the way God looks at the world. And God loves the world. And God loves the children of the world. Red, yellow, black, white. All are precious in this sight. You know, the United States... Uh, makes up, I think there's 330 million people here. Maybe 340 now, I don't know. Million people here. And, and nearly 8 billion living on this planet. But we tend to look at life through that lens, you know, our, our world. And, and it can be discouraging if we look at uh, what's happening in terms of the church and Christianity. 
uh, as we, we move toward a post-Christian America and even an anti-Christian America. But there's a big world out there. And God is doing big things in other parts of the world. Lord, help us see the world the way you used to. Help us think globally. You put us here for a reason. You put this church here for a reason. God, what do you want us to do to advance your agenda around the world? What do you want me to, to do, God, to advance your agenda around the world? We've got to stop thinking uh, uh, locally and shift our thinking to, to the world because God loves the world. All right, number three, the third uh, shift, if we're going to think more missional, is to shift our thinking from temporary things, from temporary uh, values to eternal values, eternity. You know, uh, we've been given one life. You've been given one life. And there's three things you can do with your life. You can waste your life, right? And people do. It's, it's a horrible thing to see. But there are people who, who just waste their life. We see it all the time. Drugs, alcohol, reckless living. There's people who, who waste, their, waste their life. It's a horrible thing to do because you only got one life. But there's a second thing you can do, and that is you can spend your life. You can spend it. Spend it here, spend it there. Do this, go there. See that? And you can, you can spend your life. Uh, but there's a third thing you can do, and that is you can invest your life. Jesus said, don't uh, store up your treasures on earth where moth and rust and thieves can get at it. He said, no, you store up your treasures in heaven where moth and rust and thieves can't get at it. Because, you see, heaven is, is eternal. We ought to pray, God, help, help me. Help me see life for what it is. Somebody said this life is boot camp for eternity. Boot camp for eternity. Uh, the psalmist said the length of our days is 70 years or 80 if we have the strength. Some of you have got that beat already, but you know what? You're, you're not going to live forever. We're, just here, we're here just a short time. Just a short time. But it's so important. Our life is so important. Lord, help us to think not just temporary. We get so, so uh, bogged down on temporary things, and we get so upset. You get a scratch on your car, and it just ruins your life for a one day or two days. And these are just, just temporary things. Lord, help us to think differently. Help us to shift our thinking from eternal, from temporary things, temporary values, to the big picture, eternity. So we've got to shift our thinking from self-centered to God-centered, from local orientation to global orientation, from temporary things, temporary values to eternal. And then finally, we've got to shift our thinking. If we're going to be mission-minded, and uh, we've got to shift our thinking from from security to sacrifice. And you know, maybe that's the thing that's really missing 
in, in the modern American church. We don't think in terms of sacrifice. Our, our thoughts are safety, security. Romans 12.1, since God has shown mercy upon us, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. You know, I was, uh, a couple, couple summers ago, I was driving through Grayson, Kentucky, where I live, and uh, I was with a friend of mine, and we were actually going to play golf. And we came up to uh, the streetlight. We have two or three streetlights in Grayson, Kentucky. We're bigger than North Liberty, you know. I just want you to know that. We got like three streetlights. But we came up to a streetlight and uh, looked to our left, and there was two young men standing there uh, with, you know, long slacks on in the summer, white short sleeve shirts with ties and a little, little name tag there. And uh, you kn we knew immediately who they were, right? Mormons. Mormons, right? And uh, we, we kind of joked about it, you know, me and my friend. I said, oh, look, there's two Mormon elders. They're not even shaving yet, and they're, and they're elders already. And we laughed, and, and, and so, I think he said something about, man, of all the luck, you know, these Mormon kids, they, they have to draw for where they, where they get sent on their mission trip. These, these two guys get sent to Grayson, Kentucky, you know. And so we're joking about these two, these two Mormon kids. And as I'm, I'm pulling through, you know, on the green light, I had one of these moments, and, and maybe it's happened to you, where, where God just sort of reached down and smacked me in the head. And, and I, I just was, was just overcome with this, this thought. Here I am making fun of these two Mormon boys, and, and I had this thought that these kids are willing to do for a lie what I may not be willing to do for the truth. Now, now, now please don't misunderstand what I'm saying here. Mormonism is not Christianity, all right? Mormonism is, a, Mormonism denies the absolute deity of Christ. But these two boys, right, they pack up from wherever, Utah, wherever they're from, and move to Grayson, Kentucky, to spend a, a year walking around, knocking on doors, getting doors slammed in their face, uh, people like me making fun of them, and this sort of, they're willing to do this for a lie. And we won't do that for the truth. How many of you parents would send your kids off to who knows where for a year to walk around knocking on doors, handing out literature? We wouldn't do that. Why? Because we think security. Security. We won't do for the truth what some people are willing to do for a lie. Shame on us. Some years ago, I, uh, I had a youth minister that was going to take uh, our youth group to CIY for, the, for a summer event. And he decided, this was like 10 years ago, but he decided that uh, there was going to be no cell phones. The kids had to leave their cell phones home. This was 10 years ago, all right? No cell phones. He just wants them to get with God and to pray and not have these distractions. Do you know there was an uprising in our church about this? And guess what? It wasn't the kids. It was the parents. 
I can't send my kid off for a week without his phone. I've got to be able to talk to them. What if they need me? We think security, security, security. Right? Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. If we want to, to, if we want to do anything for God, we've got to shift our thinking from security to sacrifice, maybe that's what's missing. If our primary goal is security, if your primary goal as a parent is security and popularity, we will accomplish nothing for God. C.T. Studd famously said, some people want to live their lives among the sound of chapel bells. He said, but I wanna run a mission a block from the gates of hell. So what do we do? Four things. Pray, give, go, send. Pray, give, go, send. Pray, God, open my eyes. Help, help me see the world the way you see it. Lord, open my eyes. Make your agenda my agenda. Pray, give, give to God's agenda around the world, give. I've got a friend, a preacher in, in Florida, he says if you're a first world Christian, you ought to be sponsoring at least one third world child. Pray, give, go, go to the mission field. Go, see, you know, we, we save money and go on big exotic vacations. How about spend a little money and go, go to a third world? See the world, such, we're 5%, 5% of the earth's population. Pray, give, go, and send, send. Raise up young people in this church, instill in them, plant the seed in them to go. I was 10 years old when my preacher looked at me and he said, Al, are you gonna be a preacher when you grow up? And I said, no, I'm gonna be a baseball player. But the seed was planted, you see. There's an old hymn that says, give of thy sons to bear the message glorious. Give of thy wealth to help them on their way. Pour out thy soul for them in prayer victorious. And in all thou spendest, Jesus will repay. Yes, Jesus will repay. If you found value in this message, then we want to encourage you to subscribe to this channel. And if you know someone who needs to hear this message, then please share it with them. NLCC has another podcast called The Other Six, where we discuss what it looks like to have an everyday faith on the other six days of the week. You can find that wherever you listen to your podcasts, or there's a video version on our YouTube channel. Thank you for listening in and participating with us. We look forward to doing this again with you next week.